I'm Jemai Webster. On this episode of the Ness in My Story podcast, Red Sox historian Gordon Eads sits down with Michael Chavis for an in-depth discussion about Chavis' journey from growing up in Georgia to playing baseball at Fenway Park. God's land, man. Um, I, I love Georgia. Uh, no doubter. Oh. oh, man, did he crush this one down the line? That's deep, 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 and God! Guess who? Michael Chavis. Many blessings to everybody, and, and thanks for cheering for my boy. Oh, my gosh, you're Michael Chavis's mom, and I'm literally standing right there, and I'm like, <laughs> that's her. Whoa. That is a home run. It is out of here. I'm going to turn off the professional mode. That was awesome, dude. <laughs> Chavis muscles went out. Yeah, the rookie with the walk-off. Michael Chavis, the Georgia boy, has lit up Fenway Park with his swing and his swagger. I think the way that I carry myself and the way that I go about my business, um, I think everybody who kind of sees me knows I'm a happy person. Chavis inherited his positive outlook from two very influential women in his life, his mother Dorothy and his sister Kelly, while growing up in Georgia. Tell us a little bit about the early years of you as a family with her and your sister. I've talked about her a lot and how much she's done for me growing up and up to this point, I mean, she's still doing everything possible for me and I can't thank her enough. My sister and I have always been really tight, um, that's something my mom kind of forced on us, honestly. When um, we were a kid and we would argue or anything like that, I mean, it's part of being siblings, you're gonna argue, especially with her being the older one. I kind of always wanted to be cool like my sister. What's the age difference? We are three years apart before grades apart. So right as I got into high school, she graduated high school, so I was kind of the little Chavis at the time. But um, when we were kids, you know how it is, just looking up to your older sibling. Um, I mean, I even wanted to play with Barbies with her, which wasn't allowed, because I wasn't allowed to touch her stuff, Kelly. Um, <laughs> but um, whenever she and I would argue or anything like that, my mom kind of knew that um, she's always said that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, we're always going to have each other. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, parents pass and then you're still going to have your siblings. And she and I are, she's literally my best friend. So um, when we were kids and we would argue or anything like that, my mom would make us sit at the end of the hall and it would literally just be like, there's nothing at the end of the hall, it's just us sitting there. And she'd make us whole, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I always went second because I wanted Kelly to say something and I'd repeat it. But um, she'd make us hold hands and say three things that we liked about each other. And Were you hard pressed? She's stubborn as I am, but being the younger one, she was always able to go first. So she'd be like, I like how caring you are. And then it'd be my turn and be like, I like how caring you are. Like, <laughs> so it kind of worked in my favor, but um, it, I think it did help build us to uh, be as close as we are now. The Chavis family forged their close bond in Marietta, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, something Michael is proud to share. Georgia boy. Hell yeah. What oh, is what Shoot. Is, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Um, from God's land, man. Um, I, I love Georgia, honestly. Um, it's warm. That's nice. But um, I've traveled a lot, um, lived in different places now. And um, obviously, having grown up in Georgia, it's kind of the main thing that I compare other places to. 
but um the area that i'm from it's kind of uh i like it because it has the um big city influence of being close to atlanta but it's also far enough away that it could be somewhat kind of country in regards to like music you got a lot of like i mean hip-hop being the hip-hop capital of the world in atlanta you have a lot of that influence but it's also it's it's Georgia, so you got a lot of country as well, which um, I kind of like both, so it works pretty well. If you were going to take me one place in your hometown to give me a flavor of what your hometown is, where would you take me? Can I take you to like an area? Because there's this little spot where it's called the Big Chicken, and it's it's like you don't need to eat there, but you just need to see the Big Chicken, and it's a it's a KFC, and it's like a known landmark in my area and it's instead of just having like the normal KFC sign the entire building is a huge chicken and the mouth like opens up and everything like that so everybody just knows about the big chicken but um probably like a quarter mile down that road is um, a restaurant called the Marietta Diner and it was on like the Food Network and a bunch of people have gone there and it's like I don't remember what it is it's like one of the top restaurants in all of Georgia or even in the country I believe it's open 24 7 it's like a true diner and phenomenal food so late nights, if you ever need a place to eat, that's the place to go. Presumably, you grew up a Braves fan. I mean, they were great when you were a kid. Oh yeah, I mean, it, Braves and Chipper. I mean, that was pretty much all of Georgia right there. But I also Chipper grew Jones. up. A, yeah, of course. I also grew up a Red Sox fan. Uh, growing really? up, really. How'd that happen? My um, aunt, uncle, and all my cousins—they're from uh, Connecticut, so they're huge Boston fans. So, kind of just try to please everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> National and American League, so I kind of just had that as my American League team. So this baseball thing, when did you first start playing the game and, and when did you get a sense that you might be pretty good at this game? I started playing baseball. I started with T-ball and I think that was like four years old and I got kicked out because um, I broke the bat. Not like over my knee, but like when I was hitting the ball, it was like one of the like soft bats. And they said I hit the ball too hard and I broke the bat so they thought I was gonna hurt somebody so I wasn't allowed to play. So Whoa. then I went to, I guess it's a low thing, it's more so, I was upset. Yeah. Um, so I went on to play just like coach pitch and everything like that. So who gave you your first glove? What do you remember about it? My first glove? I honestly don't remember my first glove, but I do remember I had a, um, this is another mom story. <laughs> um, I had a first basement and I had just gotten it, like it was new. And um, I was still like breaking it in and everything like that. And we went to this, um, get together with a couple other families that we knew and this foreign exchange student came over from I believe he was from Ireland and he'd never seen a baseball glove before and I brought mine just to play catch with everybody and my mom made me give it to him and I remember at the time I was, I was not happy I gave it to him but I was not happy it was brand new and I was still breaking it in and like it was my baby yeah. my mom made me gave it to him made me give it to him and that got me <laughs> but I mean, looking back, obviously it was a pretty special thing. I'm sure he was very thankful. I, I didn't know the kid very well, honestly, but he went back to Ireland and had a baseball glove, but he took mine. So if you're watching this, you owe me a glove. <laughs>
like actually talented at baseball until probably my sophomore, junior year of high school. All right, a unique feature of the ballpark, it's Sprayberry High. You know, we have Lansdowne Street behind our left field wall. Yeah. You had Sandy Plain Road. Now, yep. why would the people who use a four-lane road, is yeah. that right, Sandy Plain? Yeah, it's a four-lane road. Uh, why should they have been aware of Michael Chavis as they're <laughs> wheeling down that road? Because the way that it was set up is that the road ran basically parallel with the fence all the way up to center field. Obviously, I've got a little bit of power and we would take BP around five o'clock. You know, we get out of school and everything like that. So around five o'clock, obviously people are getting out of work, rush hour, and there's a stoplight just beyond where the school would be. So the stoplight would build up and cars would just be sitting there. I'd be taking BP and just launching balls <laughs> and hitting cars, breaking windows and everything like that. The coach would yell like, keep it here. And I'm like, I can't, like, I'm trying to get ready for the game and everything like that. And, I broke a lot of windshields, honestly. A lot of people were upset, but um, got to get ready. Well, I mean, you coach Henderson, right? Yeah. Um, he said he actually heard from people who were complaining about, you know, his his star hitter busting uh, busting windshields, but nobody ever came after you and asked you to pay to repair their windshields. Um, they wouldn't come after me personally, but there were a lot of times where they would get their oh, baseball sent into their car <laughs> and they would pull around and ask for somebody to pay for it. I think it was covered by the county or something like that, but they should have put a net up, honestly. But that, I feel like that's not my fault. <laughs> by the time you were nearing the end of high school, you were having private workouts and there'd be as many as what, 40, 45 scouts? Yeah, definitely. What was that like for you? Did you feel the pressure? Did you feel um, the first Anxious couple times, yeah, the first couple of times I was a little bit nervous. Um, my um, one of my best friends is also like my hitting coach. So at that time, he would. So I had earlier release because I finished pretty much all my credits. So I got out of school at 12:45. So then after I left, I would go and take BP and do all these workouts for the teams, just so that I wouldn't get in the way of practice or a game or anything like that. So his name is Casey. Casey would meet me out there to throw BP. And I remember him, uh, the first time we did it, there's probably about 40 scouts out there. It's, it's literally me on the field, Casey throwing BP, and everybody just standing behind watching. And I remember Casey uh, coming up to me and he was like, I, like Casey played pro ball. And he, he was like, I've never been this nervous in my entire life just to throw BP. <laughs> so um, it was honestly really cool. Like looking back at it, we didn't have really great baseballs at Sprayberry. So people kind of like started, the scouts started understanding that uh, if you're going to come out, you got to bring baseballs. Like our balls were bad. Like you would get every bit of it and it just, so people started bringing out baseballs for us to hit. And that was kind of nice because it helped everybody else for BP as well. So it was a team effort. It definitely was. <laughs> Senior year, you got all these scouts coming, a little bit of pressure on you. You know, you know there's people paying attention. You're being recruited by top colleges. Mm -hmm. You hit four home runs in two playoff games, including a walk-off grand slam mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. against Riverwood. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that moment. Daggum, that's a throwback. Um, so Riverwood was kind of a, one of the better teams in our region, and it was kind of cool because their shortstop, second baseman, one of their pitchers, and like two other guys, I played travel ball with. So having them be one of the better teams, us being a talented team, then you add in like the kind of like personal 
aspect of it, it was like a pretty exciting game. And I believe we actually had a walk-off against them the last time we played them as well, because I think it was our senior night. So you know how high school baseball gets, like it's super energized and everything like that. So um, senior year was fun, dude. Like overall, it was a good time. And then with that game, everything kind of fell into place, honestly. Um, wasn't really trying to do too much. I, I know that's like a biggest, one of my biggest keys ever since I can remember just for baseball, whenever I try and do too much, sure don't get the results that I want to. But um, that, was, that, was, that was awesome. I remember there were a decent amount of scouts there, but um, I think the biggest thing when I was at that point with the scouts coming and everything like that is I, I couldn't force myself to try to perform. I had to really like stay within the moment and stay within what I was trying to do in regards to just having fun, enjoying my senior year. As a senior, Chavis was named the Gatorade Player of the Year and caught the eye of an ACC powerhouse. I didn't have like an actual like, wow, I'm good at baseball until I started, I think it was like when I committed to Clemson. That was kind of like my first like, wow. I, because I always dreamed about going to Clemson. I don't know why. I always liked Georgia Tech and everything like that, but for some reason I just always liked Clemson. I'm not sure if it was the tight pants or what, but <laughs> I always wanted to be a Clemson Tiger. So um, when I was getting recruited by them, took my visits and everything like that, I, uh, I knew that's if I was going to go to college, that's where I wanted to go. The Boston Red Sox select Michael Chavis, a shortstop from Strayberry Senior High School, Marietta, Georgia. This is unreal. This is literally a dream come true. I watched the draft last year, and this is an indescribable feeling. You can play shortstop. You can play third base. How much did your positional versatility come into talks with the Red Sox? Uh, they talked about it a pretty decent amount. They talked about me playing a little bit of second and a little bit of third, and we're just going to find out where they need me. Hopefully I can help the ball club. Right now on the Red Sox, who is your favorite player? Dustin Pedroia, without a doubt. Why so? Because people say I'm a little dude, kind of, so I like how he plays the game. He plays hard, and I think that's how it should be played. Name on the board. Make it official. How did you become aware of the Red Sox interest in you? When they showed up. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Touche. <laughs> um, the whole process is like, you know, you get a couple of letters where you just do like, answer the questionnaires and everything like that. Shout out to Kelly because my handwriting's bad, so my sister did a lot of this. So, I mean, you, you knew what you were getting, but Kelly answered a lot of those, if we're being honest. Um, and then they would do, like, the in-home visits and stuff like that. And the Red Sox, uh, they came back a lot, so it kind of showed the interest and then they did the private workouts and then they hosted their own um i guess you can call it like a workout where they invited four or five of their favorite guys who they were looking at and um i played pretty well there as well so i just had a good idea that they liked me your first round draft choice 2015 you're splitting time with a current red sox teammate mm -hmm. rafi devers at third base new position for you mm -hmm. how was that experience for you um, it wasn't easy, honestly. Um, obviously drafted as a shortstop. Um, the whole thing in Greenville was kind of just complicated in general. Playing in front of fans, it was something that I had to get adjusted to. And I'll tell you what, in uh, the GCL, nobody comes to those right. games. Like they say- Do you blame them? Noon and the- Yeah, you know, no, I don't blame them at Florida all. Florida sun, yeah. Like, I remember when I was going through the whole draft process, they're like, get ready to play in front of nobody. And I'm like, okay, like it's pro ball, there's gonna be people. And then you get to the GCL and you're like, what? Like, <laughs> you're on the backfield, like, it, it's, yeah. So, Greenville, obviously, they have a great turnout. They have a lot of fans. And um, so I had to adjust to playing in front of fans. But another thing was it was the first time I'd really played in a stadium with fans. And where I'm going with that is, like, making throws. 
like I was scared to hurt somebody. Like if I overthrew a ball and I hit somebody, like I was actually scared that I was going to throw a ball into the stands and hurt somebody. So that was actually a little bit of adjustment that I had to make playing just in, in general in a stadium. So the following year, Devers goes up a classification. You're the everyday third baseman and a couple weeks in the season, this happens. Yep, I uh, sprained my UCL in my thumb. Didn't even know there was a UCL in there. Um, hit a, I beat out a single and it had been raining. Um, ended up canceling the game, I'm pretty sure, like pretty soon after I got hurt. But um, I run through first base and the ball skips past the first baseman and I go to cut to go to second. My feet slip out and I try to catch myself and I was just kind of at a weird angle, turned and my thumb went back and pretty much touched, touched my forearm yeah. and partially tore it or sprained it, whatever it's called. Through the injuries and all the other trials a player faces in the minors, this is what Michael Chavis learned. Chavis screaming into third base. He slides in safely, and it's an RBI triple. I don't really need to change anything. I just need to keep doing what I was doing. Michael Chavis with another homer, his second of the game. I kind of got to the point where I wasn't playing for anybody else, and I think that honestly helped me. Um, when I was younger, I'm talking about like lower in the minor leagues, um, I kind of got stuck in trying to play for fans, trying to play for a call-up, trying to play for everybody else except for myself, and I think it hurt me a lot. One of the biggest things for me is when I have fun, I play well. And um, when you're playing for somebody else, at least for me, I wasn't really having that much fun. So I think that's one of the things that taught me is just play for yourself, not in like a selfish way, but not, some, not try and prove yourself to other people. Goodbye, I think it made the parking lot. High fly ball, he launched it. Left field, way, way back and way out of Fenway. Tell us what that moment was like for you and for you to have them here to witness it. It was unbelievable, honestly. Um, obviously getting that kind of hit and that kind of moment was huge. And um, needless to say, I was a little emotional running the bases, but um, knowing that they were here for that and then afterwards finding out that my mom got to do some interviews, got on TV and recognized by everybody, I think that honestly made it a little more special. Having her get that recognition, I think it, um, Honestly, I think it was more important to me than the home run was. Dorothy, what is it like to watch your son on the field here at Fenway Park? It's just the most amazing thing. Um, from from a young child at you know four or five, who said to me, "I just want to grow up and be a baseball player." To to be sitting here watching this, I keep on pinching myself, saying, "This just isn't real. It's just it's just really really cool." You got a firsthand example of how recognizable she was after <laughs> yeah. the game. Tell me that story. I mean, it's literally right after the game I hit my first major league home run. We're walking down the road, and I'm standing right next to my mom. It's me and her, and someone walks up to her and goes, oh, my gosh, you're Michael Chavis's mom. And I'm literally standing right there, and I'm like, <laughs> that's her. It is. Doesn't even recognize me, but recognizes my mom. It was unbelievable. I'm just very blessed to be on the sidelines being his number one fan. That's been Joe. We've enjoyed watching you celebrate. This is not me. So, so um, many blessings to everybody, and, and thanks for cheering for my boy. Thank what a wonderful week for your family. We're ex excited to share it with you guys. Thank you for this. And mom is delighted. One thing you're very upfront about is the role that your personal faith plays in your life. Definitely. Um, how comfortable are you with that? How how do you feel people respond to that aspect of you? I'm very comfortable with it. Um, it's a major part of me as a person and my life in general. I think I was given this platform and this position to spread the word 
Um, I'm not going to be an evangelist and scream it at you and stuff like that, but I think the way that I carry myself and the way that I go about my business, um, I think everybody who kind of sees me knows I'm a happy person. And I think a lot of that has to reflect with God, honestly. I think um, I'm happy with my life. I know He's got a plan. And um, it brings a lot of peace. And I think if I'm in this position, if I don't use this platform, like I said, to help spread the word, I think it's kind of just misused. My Story is part of the Nesson Podcast Network. The home for New England sports.